What's up, everybody? I'm J Dog McMoses. And I'm C Man McJacob. What's your cool name? Do you have one? I'm. Olivia <laughs> Mick <laughs> Eli. Oh, Cat McEli, yes she is! <laughs> and we are a part of the Jackson Cloud. And today we are continuing our journey through Genesis as we have been for 40-something episodes now. Um, it's been so, a while. Yeah, yeah. And we're only in chapter 30, so we've got about 20 more chapters to go. We'll see where this leads. But we're still on the story of Jacob. You know, like, the first... 11 chapters of Genesis is a lot of like theological setting the stage and then the next like 39 chapters are like narrative <laughs> and we've been on narrative for a while for a long time so uh, as we get into Jacob's story we left off with him breeding sheep in the most interesting ways you can watch that previous episode but now he wants to get out of his uncle's slash father-in-law's house <laughs> and father-in-law twice not removed right yes right okay he wants to get out of there because though jacob was once the trickster he has now been tricked over and over again and his uncle has not been fair with him over and over again twice and, and even uh his Cousin wives agree at this point <laughs> that <laughs> that this is not like that. Dad has not been fair. So twice, uh, several times at this point. You know, he's he's been there for a long time. I, I think like twenty years at this point. So there's a lot of narrative going on. He wants to get out. He tells Rachel and Leah, "Okay, I had a dream about what we had to do to get the sheep that we got." We got the good sheep. Now we can get out of here. Let's go. And that's when uh, they agree. And they get ready to take off. That brings us to Genesis 31. Verse 17. Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padan Aram, which doesn't that just sound like something from Star Wars? No, no. you're thinking Padawan. I think I'm thinking Padme. I was mm. thinking Padme. Somehow it just feels like, ah, oh, the planet of Padan Aram. <laughs> you don't feel it? I feel it. Okay. I mean, kind of, but... <laughs> I feel it. I get what you mean. <laughs> Thank you. They go to the land of Canaan to his father, Isaac. So he's going back home. Uh, though dad, I think, passed probably a long time ago. Did he? Maybe. No, maybe not. We'll get there eventually in a future episode. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole his father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban, the Aramean, 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 by not telling him that he intended to flee. Which, that one weirds me out. Is that a trick? Like, it doesn't feel like a trick to me. <laughs> I mean... I ran away. Ha ha, trick ha, Gotcha! Like, this is, my daughter does this sometimes, where... Is the TV on or off? 
I just turned it off. Oh, you tricked me. It's like, mm. it like it's just like things she identifies as tricks that I'm like, that, that wasn't a trick. We need to work on our word there. <laughs> but for whatever reason, this is perceived to Laban as like, ah, you, like Olivia said, you ran away. You tricked me. Good one. Uh, well, Casey's got a different feeling, though. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just like... Sometimes running away is the trick, though. Like, for Ding Dong Ditch, like, running away is the trick, then. So, like, I can kind of see... Hang on. It's so... You're saying in the Holy Scriptures, <laughs> we have our first example of Ding Dong ditching someone as early as Genesis 31. This is where we're going with this? Maybe. <laughs> to each his own, I suppose. <laughs> he... He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. Now, this is going to go on for a little bit. Laban's going to be like, hold up, what's going on? So he takes off. But as he's taking off after his family, because he's, he's, you tricked me, you know, he's angry. He has a dream one of the nights. And uh, God tells him in the dream, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or or bad so this changes the scene because Laban's angry like mm -hmm. Jacob's taken off with his daughters mm -hmm. taken off with his what he thinks is his stuff even though he's trying to cheat Jacob into stealing more from him mm -hmm. uh, at, at the very least the household gods have been stolen that's not like a trick that that was like his you know um, so he's off to take after him, but then God comes to him in a dream. Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. But Laban overtakes Jacob, and now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. Stop it. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have tricked me? And driven away my daughters like captives of the sword. Why did you flee secretly and trick me? <laughs> and did not tell me so that I may have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre. And, and why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to harm you. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you have gone away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought you would take my daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. Point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So now we've set up this new predicament. <laughs> Where Jacob's like, I didn't take your gods. Look, if you find them with anyone here, I'll kill them for you. <laughs> Rachel, being his favorite wife of all, Oops. is the one who's taken them. So, Laban goes into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. He went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now, Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, 
Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but he did not find a household god. This is how periods get you out of just about whatever you need to get out of with men. Oh, but I have a period. Uh, by all means, don't, don't even, <laughs> don't you flex a muscle. I don't, don't tell me anything more. Right, you're good. Uh, apparently that worked with dad here. <laughs> uh, but dad doesn't make her get off the camel where she is sitting. Well, uh, technically in this time, she wouldn't be allowed to get off the camel in that circumstance. Because, because in is this about their the way time, of women? Yes. Because the camel is unclean now. Well, no, because <laughs> in their Sorry, time, that was a Levitical law. Where, where are we going with this? They saw it as unhygienic. So the woman, any place a woman sits during her time, was not to be. Because it was unclean. Normally it was a couch where a woman would, that would be unclean. So I didn't know we were going this route, but okay, fine. I mean, it's right there. <laughs> so like, technically she's supposed to stay on the camel in this scenario. Well, so, yeah. I mean, this is before the law was written technically, but since you've brought it up in the law later, a woman is considered unclean during her period upon which she sits upon things have had contact with their period, and those also are unclean. Which, of course, women probably already don't feel great during that particular time. Would you care to elaborate? No, uh, I don't, I don't Probably think don't usually to. feel great, and a lot of women don't really care much for the Bible also amplifying this, but be like, you're unclean. But I just want to clarify that verse for a minute. In, in, in the terms in which they're talking about in the Levitical law, God is the God of life. He is the God of creation. And uh, during uh, a woman's period, there is blood and whatnot. <laughs> Am I describing this right? I mean, yes, that is what a period is. <laughs> the loss of blood is the loss of life. And therefore, uh, you're, you're not morally unclean from their understanding. You were uh, in a time where you shouldn't be entering into the holy tabernacle that's associated with life because you currently are dealing with what appears to an ancient person to be the loss of life so it was just like okay well if you're dealing with blood related to death don't go towards the place where it's associated with abundant life so it wasn't it wasn't even it was ritual uncleanness which is not a moral thing in the Levitical law. It was just simply a, uh, there's a time for dealing with that. It's actually the same thing for men that had their own genital uncleanness because it was the loss of life for them. And wait, okay, fine. Look, I wasn't going to get into this. You were the one who went there. Let's talk more about menstruation in another episode. For now, we shall continue. We don't even know that she was menstruating. Well, no, she lied to <laughs> trick her dad. But. Yeah, and it worked. It worked, so he didn't check it out. But this all kind of brings out a question like, what are household gods? Or, 
as they're just called in Hebrew, teraphim. I have no idea. Like, is this just like mobile gods for the ancient people? <laughs> Hang on, I forgot my phone. Let me go get it really quick. Well, I mean, I'm assuming there was some sort of like shrine or statue that represented the household gods. So like, otherwise, how else could you steal them? Well, so these typically what we imagine and what we find in at least other cultures of the time, they are little statues. I mean, when we think of gods, we think of idols, right? So these are more or less like little carvings of what appear to be like torso and then head uh, for the most part. So it's like a little person. Like, is it weird that I think of like small totems? No, because like, that's basically what it... Okay. Are you talking about like the stacked ones? Yeah. No, I wouldn't be stacked, but it'd be like... It'd be like, you know, those little, uh, 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 I was going to say precious moments, but that's not, you know, we all have little statues of people in our house, (laughs) not idols, but we have like the little, here's a wooden carving of a guy. (laughs) I mean, we all have pop figures in our house. There you go. There you go. Which we are not idols to, uh, maybe to some people. Uh, but <laughs> technically, I only have one because you gave me one. I gave you. Well, a you do have one. Therefore, my statement stands. All right. Well, so I just have one though. Okay. So for them, they have these teraph, teraphim, and like, let's not even call them household gods. That's one way it gets translated. Others are going to translate it idols, um, figurines, like what, you know, they're going to go all different routes with it because. Though teraphim shows up in the scriptures like 15 times, no one ever explains what they are. (laughs) So we look at the context and we often see things related with divination. So the idea that like, uh, in this case, maybe even necromancy. So like I'm trying to talk with the dead or I'm trying to uh, divine a, um, a... word of wisdom or knowledge from a spiritual being of sorts. Uh, but other times we see them, there's like one time where it shows up uh, David and Michal. They like, so David can flee, they hide a, a teraphim under the covers and put a wig on it or something. <laughs> and so when they come in looking for David, they think it's under the bed and they open it up and, oh, it's just a teraphim. We've been tricked, ding dong ditched. <laughs> so, like, there's a there's an example of why are there teraphim in David's house? Like, did he worship other gods? You know, like, there's there's a lot of questions behind. Well, no, didn't didn't his wives? Maybe. I thought his wives worshipped. I mean, at least Israel shouldn't have been at that point. Solomon's did. Okay. But David's wives. I mean, one of them was like. Saul's daughter so it, it Saul was supposed to be like the king of one god you know so needless to say we have these questions what's going on here like what is a teraphim and there's a lot of different proposals uh, she might have stole it because they already know that their dad's taken a lot from them and this the teraphim were probably passed on to like the sons and so they're it's possible Rachel's just like you know what 
these are mine now, you know, to make up for all the loss that we've taken. I'm taking my inheritance early. Yeah, essentially that's what she would have been doing because she wouldn't have gotten inheritance and they're running away. So it could just be, these are mine now. These are worth and value in the house. Should have gone to the sun, but it's mine. Um, could have gone other routes as well. But there's one proposal I've heard Michael Heiser working off of something... Uh, another guy put forth about 60 or 80 years ago uh, that possibly makes sense and it's what other people have worked with as a theory as well is essentially these are the ancient pictures on the wall so let's remember this we've talked about this before what are gods by a general definition in ancient times Heavenly beings? Or just a spiritual being in general can be referred to as a god. And the way that we see this especially would be with Samuel, when the medium of Indor calls forth uh, Samuel, and Samuel actually shows up in spirit form, she says, what? Oh, there's a god in front of me. Like, for her, like the fact that disembodied spirit of Samuel has shown up, for her, it's like synonymous with a spiritual being and therefore a little g-god is present here. So mm -hmm. anything in the spiritual world from an ancient perspective could be defined as a god. So it's possible that the teraphim, as some would put forth, are essentially just the pictures of your family. It's the way in which they're kind of like kept with you they're not so they do seem to become idols to people eventually just like how trees turn into asherah we did a whole episode on that mm -hmm. trees could be good sacred spaces throughout genesis but eventually become synonymous with the false god asherah later on to the point that like it's like just forget trees altogether because you've all turned it into something wrong right it's possible that these were like just wait, these are the urn sitting on the mantle. These are uh, going to visit the gravesite of someone that you love and leaving flowers. Why do you leave flowers? Because that's what people do. It's what people do. But like somehow in your mind, even here in enlightened Western America, we like think... Our dead ones will appreciate it <laughs> right otherwise why would we do it is it like we know we know deep down like this is for me but it's also not because i'm giving it to you i love you i miss you right so even into the year 2021 right yes yes even into the year 2021 i'm still in 2020 man it's been a long 2020 uh even into the year 2021 there is this um, idea in us that, like, still kind of with us, though also not. And here's a teddy bear at the gravesite. We love you. We miss you. You're still around, but you're not. You know, that, that kind of thing. I think that's what this was before. Like, you go in someone's house, you might see a picture of their deceased relatives on the wall. Is that sinful? 
No. No, it's just it's how we remember people. Uh, it's possible that teraphim started out as that. So, like, would it be similar to, like, for example, like the movie Coco? Yeah. So this is this is what I found interesting when I first started studying, like, how they treated the ancestors. under ancestors, the underworld, things like that. And I watched Coco around the same time. I was like, I, I always thought like this stuff was like <laughs> really weird. It's like it, it kind of feels sort of like it's there in the Bible a little bit, you know, like when you buried your loved ones, I think. If I remember right, you bury your loved ones in the Bible. Like it was important to bury Abraham where Sarah was buried. Why? Like, does it really matter? Well, in their minds, it was kind of somehow it, it did, and like there was things that they had, possessions they had that you buried with them. And so, like, oh, make sure they take this with them to <laughs> Sheol or wherever they're going. Like that—that that all sounds strange, but like. Coco, yeah, it has this idea of your ancestors and and remembering them keeps them alive. Obviously, it's not like that, but um, but yeah, it's the it's possible that the teraphim before they became idolatrous were simply like uh, the pictures you hung on the wall. You didn't have picture, you didn't have Kodak film back then, right? So like, here's a little miniature of Dad. <laughs> here's my Funko Pop of. Of grandpa. <laughs> but when I look at this, I, I think of my relatives and they're with me. And so there might even be times, this is where it starts to look like idolatry, might be times where you leave like maybe some food or water right next to it. But that wasn't meant to be like a sacrifice. It was more of like a just part of the family, you know, like <laughs> you might do that more like a celebration type thing. I know. I get it. Like. But you take flowers to gravestones. So don't look at me like a... I'm not saying you. I'm just saying, like, people take flowers to gravestones. So let's not act like we're so civilized that... Well, we... no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to act that way, but it's like, it feels like a... I don't know, we, we leave out, like, milk and cookies for Santa Claus. <laughs> so, like, leaving out random food does kind of sort of makes sense but it's like I never I mean I haven't heard of people doing that for dead relatives before but like yeah, I can kind of see how people can be like well yeah we do it for Santa Claus and then we do it for random relatives too I guess it just it, I don't know well it'd be more like a, say you're gonna have like a big holiday celebration or something like let's not forget those we've left behind Here's some food and water at their little... <laughs> See, normally we just leave those plates empty if we do that. There's just, like, an empty plate. So you do something. Well, some people... But you do something. Or I mean, you, you've heard of people who I've do I've heard something. of people who've done an empty plate. So before. this would be, like, the ancient version of that, right? Why are we putting out an empty plate? <laughs> I see in the spiritual realm, there's Grandma over there. You know, we know that that's not the case. Yeah, for us, it's more of like a remembering. But for them, that's partially what it is, too. They're, they're remembering. But they also had a lot more belief in the spiritual realm than we do today. So, like, for them, their dead relatives were not gone. They were still present in existence. And so that's part of a way of, of remembering them. So one of, one of the ways in which 
they possibly come to this conclusion. I don't think this will get too complicated, so help me know if I'm saying it a little more complicated or not. There is a passage, and this is where Cyrus Gordon, who Heiser works off of in his theory on this, uh, Cyrus proposed this over 60 years ago. There's a passage in Exodus 21, 5 that says, uh, the, the idea is essentially like you're trying to accept a slave to be more of a permanent part of your family. And while we know slavery is wrong, of course, it was a custom back then, but they also had a different view of slavery to some extent. Obviously, some people were doing it just as horrible as anyone ever has. But in this passage, it's essentially a slave might come up to the family and say, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. In other words, a slave might have actually found a home with the family in which he's a slave in and not want to leave it. Uh, so Exodus 21, 21 verse 5 says, But if the slave says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to Elohim, shall bring him to God. Or, as I've mentioned before, Elohim is like a deer. It can mean one deer. It can mean many deer. So it could be slave comes up to you, doesn't want to leave. Then his master shall bring him to God or then his master shall bring him to the gods. And he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost and his master shall bore his ear through with an owl and he shall be his slave forever. Not a pleasant passage. I get it. But then the same uh, idea comes up in Deuteronomy 15, but it leaves something out. It says, uh, if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household since he is well off with you, then you shall take an owl and put it through his ear into the door and you shall be your slave forever. That's Deuteronomy fifteen sixteen. In one passage, slave doesn't want to leave, so you bring him before God or the gods, depending on which way it's supposed to be translated. In Deuteronomy, it says he doesn't want to leave and you just skip you like you don't bring him before God. What's an AWL? An all? Yeah, is that an ear thing? It is a small pointed tool for piercing holes. Especially in leather, but in this case it must have been how they used to pierce ears back then. So it's um like cone shaped. So one end of the tip will typically be small and one end will typically be larger. So when you're doing your holes in leather, you put that on the leather and then you push it through to the size of the hole you need it to be. So it would be more of like a piercing, like Jamin said, in this case. Kind of like... So wait, in Deuteronomy, are they saying that like pierced ears is a sign of being someone's slave? No. Well, in this particular custom, it does appear that. It may, that may not have been the case for everyone, but this particular custom was a part of it, it looks like. Because they're not piercing the ear as much as they're pushing them into the door. Like with a piercing, typically you would leave something on the ear afterward. Right. Whereas this, they're putting them up against the door and making a hole. That's weird. Maybe. I don't get it. 
well, this is just an ancient custom, and I haven't studied that ancient custom, so I can't say much to that right now. The reason that I bring up this passage in general is in Exodus, you brought them before God, and in Deuteronomy, they skipped that passage. Gordon's proposal is that it shouldn't be God here, but it should be God's. And the idea is that slave wants to stay with the family, and he would propose that the kind of gods that they're talking about, and you can only go so far with this because it doesn't say teraphim, but he's wondering if the kind of gods that they expected you brought them to is like, slave wants to stay with the family, bring him before the family, make sure the, the household teraphim are there because they represent the family for throughout history, and now this slave is now entering into the family in front of you, in front of the ancestors, that kind of idea. And the reason that it's missing in Deuteronomy is because very clearly Israel struggles with idolatry constantly, and very clearly Teraphim eventually became like an idol rather than the representation of the pictures on the wall, representation of the family ancestors who have have passed. Because when you look up teraphim throughout the 15 passages, it does show up in the Bible. People use them for necromancy, so they're trying to ask the dead ancestors for advice. That's not why they were supposed to be there. People um, are asking for you know, wisdom, or they're worshiping them, they're doing things like that. So, like, the teraphim, could they have possibly just been something neutral at the start of the Bible? Maybe. Did they end there? Absolutely not. <laughs> but is the reason that we sometimes maybe see them in, like, David's house or something, is it because it had to be sinful? Maybe not. Maybe it's like, these were just, like, the pictures hanging on the wall. So, with that being said, what was the case in Rachel's story? Was she like, now I'm the head of the family and I'm taking the family with me? Or is it something more like she wants to, she does worship them or something? I don't know. You might remember just in two episodes ago, Laban had divined some information from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Did he get that from the one true God, or was he messing around with his own teraphim as necromancy? I don't know. You know, we have to rationalize. So you could just go full-fledged and say that they were always evil and every last way. You could go that route because usually when they show up, they are. <laughs> but I think there is enough space since we don't know much about teraphim in general because the Bible never explains them. There is possibly a space that like sacred trees there was a neutral side to them at first that then eventually got twisted and contorted over time to become something else it's a big difference between me looking at the picture of a relative on the wall and remembering them and hoping that i'm making them happy with my life now and knowing that one day i hope i'll see them again there's a difference between that and even like oh don't forget to set out a plate for for grandma you know there's a big difference between that and like ancestors of old <laughs> tell me what my future holds how may i worship you that's a very different thing so 
With that being said, maybe we've seen a little bit of overlap with our lives today. Maybe other cultures of today. Um, and maybe have a little bit of a different light on this passage. What is your take on it? Have you heard some other proposals on the teraphim or the household gods? Leave a comment below. Obviously, we believe that there is only one God to be worshipped, and he is the one we worship. Uh, we're just trying to dive deeper into the ancient understanding of what did they think when it came to this, and why did Rachel take off with it. Either way, Laban is caught up, and she lives because he doesn't find it, and that's how everyone is saved, by lying about their period. Olivia will now take us out of this. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe down below. And also, we'd like to see your discussions on the Discord. So join us there in the link below. See you then.